Welcome. I'm uh, Pastor Rafe, and we're glad to come together this day to, uh, to worship here at uh, New Horizon. Um, a little later in the service, as the worship goes along, we'll be sharing in uh, Holy Communion, um, and you're invited to uh, share and uh, join with us in, uh, in that wonderful worship experience of engaging with God in such a wonderful, loving way. This is a beautiful day. It's a little cold in South Florida for, for us, isn't it? Uh, but fall is here, and we're enjoying that. Um, there's a lot of uh, fun and good things going on. We had a great day yesterday here on site, partnering with our community, and there's uh, other um, food opportunities here on site today. So it's a, it's a beautiful day for us to be sharing together. But we've come together for a very holy purpose this morning, and it's the purpose of giving our praise and giving our love to God. And so uh, let's enter into a time of worship and join together as we, uh, as we sing together. Let's sing. I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And there's so many things that happens in the house of the Lord. It's not just a place where we just sing, but you get delivered, you get free, you, you, your soul gets revived, you get charged up and you get started and you get your morning started right. So God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask you, God, that you will come down in a mighty way. We want to experience your presence during this experience, during this worship experience today, Lord. And we just, we just await your Holy Spirit, Lord. And that we pray, God, that when we leave here today, we will leave better than the way we came. Bless us now, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.
You may be seated. And I uh, want to uh, share with you a, a new part of worship that we're going to be uh, adding. And this is uh, about uh, reminding us of our, of our pegs, you know, like our, our, pen state, uh, our tent stakes, our foundation, the, where we stand and, and what we hold on to and what we cling to. And uh, in this time and age, in the emerging of church being uh, different than maybe some of us have ever expected or seen before, uh, we need to hold on to these, uh, these four elements of what it is to be the church. Pray, engage, give, serve. Pegs, right? Pray, engage, give, serve. And so each Sunday we're going to be talking about um, how we can uh, uh, help each other in that community of faith do that praying, that engaging, that giving, and that serving, and it becomes an active part of, of living out who we are. And so we do want to encourage you to, uh, to be in prayer and prayer for your church as we, as we continue to grow and emerge uh, and evolve, I should say, evolve as, as what the church is. And um, I w- want to encourage you to engage in the church. And uh, we've been in kind of a, a covenant uh, commitment campaign going on um, and opportunities for engagement and giving are being put before you. In fact, you should have uh, received in the snail mail or email or on our website um, information and letters that have gone out and opportunities for us to respond, and we're going to be hopefully doing that this week and, uh, and bringing that to uh, uh, fruition uh, next Sunday. And so those are ways that you can engage in the community of faith and give in that, in that covenant uh, commitment. And I have to say, if you have no idea what I'm talking about or you've not gotten anything, that means you're purposely trying to hide from us and not giving us your emails and your addresses and stuff like that. And that's part of engaging. That's part of engaging because uh, worshiping and sharing together in a community of faith is so much more than sit and soak, right? It's about that engagement and that giving and, of course, the opportunity to serve which you have been hearing about and you will be hearing about all the areas that we are involved in a mission. So, but for this day, let me encourage you to engage in your community of faith by participating in the, uh, the giving covenant that we'll, we'll be sharing and to be in prayer as we do that together as the body of Christ in our, in our faith community. Amen and amen. Let's, uh, let's turn it now in prayer. Good morning. I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you this morning as we join in our morning prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, you have made us for yourself and called us to be your covenant people, a people set apart. We are set apart not for privilege, but for service, not for special rights, but for responsibility. Our loyalty is to you and your kingdom. Our values and priorities, our pursuits and our passions are to reflect your heart, a heart of love for the poor, a heart of justice for the maligned, a heart of compassion for the broken. As we worship you this morning, transform us, merciful Savior. In those places where we are still attracted to the cultures agenda of power and money and beauty and influence. Save us from serving unworthy gods, from chasing after fleeting affections, from investing our days in the temporary rather than the eternal. Thank you for the call to be yours and for the grace to live that call. 
We pray all of this as your Son taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In prayer, we, uh, we lift up those who represent for us the uh, legacy of faith that uh, we have received from the saints who have gone before us, remembering those who have passed in the last 12 months. So today we lift up Lillian Di Nicola, Norv Newland, Ray Harrell, Enid Phillips, Paula Sue Whitney, Sue Galloway, Pat Jennings, Paul Waddles, Carolyn Hainline, Norma Calamito, Kurt Gallatin, and for those that you name in your heart this day, Lord, we thank you for the saints that have shown us your love and your generosity and your grace and made us who we are. Amen. Amen.
Today we're uh, sharing in the, the good news. Um, it's actually, I noticed on the screens, and I don't know what you're getting digitally, it says Matthew 12, but it should be Mark 12, 38 through, um, I mean Mark 12, 28, oh no, 38 through uh, 44. Mark 12, 38 through 44. So we're going to see if the screens have... No, that's not the one. Don't put that one up on the screen. That's not the one. It's Mark 12, 38 through 44, and it goes like this. As uh, he was teaching, he said, watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. And to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. Jesus sat across from the collection box from the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in two small copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than anyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change. But she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Amen. And amen. Most gracious God, as Jesus taught the disciples, let your word, let your son Jesus Christ, teach us today. Amen and amen. So I, I know you all know what it is to uh, go into a grocery store or any other, other kind of store, and you're checking out, and of course your total never comes to an exact dollar amount, right? It comes down to a fraction of something, and it's like $15.47. And then inevitably, the, uh, the person who's... Uh, who's at the register says, would you like to round that up for such and such a charity, right? You've heard that before. Would you like to round it up? And, you know, you, most of us don't want to seem mean, you know, and the charity always sounds good, even though you might not know anything about it, and it's just pennies. You know, it's just a little bit of change. It's not going to be so, so sometimes we'll say yes, but then we start getting it all the time, you know, and every store you go into, it's like, well, no, man. You know, they're starting to take more and more money out of, out of my pocket. So, but we get this round up, you know, round up. You're changed for change, you know, you might hear. You know, you're changed for change. We're going to change the community. We're going we're gonna to change. And, and here's the thing. That little bit of change that gets rounded up, it produces millions of dollars for charities in our community and throughout our nation. Those big charities that can get big corporations behind them and, and get everybody's little pennies and get the pennies to add up, 
They're making millions of dollars. Millions. There's a lot of money to be made in change. A lot of money. In fact, there's a, there's a company out there um, uh, called Coinstar, and Coinstar is that company that makes those, uh, those machines that you might see in, in banks or in stores or in places where you can bring in your buckets or your jars, you know, where you drop your change at home, and you bring it in, and you kind of you pour it into this little machine, and the machine, you know, counts it all and, and certifies it all and gets it all, and then they give you, like, what some people used to call to me flip-flop money. You know, they give you the, the paper money. Or in these days, they charge up a card. Or they'll even take your change and put it towards a charity for you. And, of course, Coinstar, for that, for that privilege of doing that, they take their cut, you know, their percentage of that. Coinstar, in the last number of years, has done in excess of $2.7 billion annually in change. In change. In just putting a little bit in each person. Each bit makes a difference. Each little bit makes a difference. It makes a difference. The widow's mite that has come to refer to in the story that we read is these thin little copper coins that barely weigh anything. I've, I've seen some of the artifacts of these things in the, the Holy Land in museums, and they're almost nothing. They're almost weightless. And if you dropped them in one of those old-timey metal offering plates, it would make no sound. You know, but here is this widow mite that's making an impact, making this impact in the ministry of the temple, making an impact in Jesus's life as Jesus watches her do that. This this money that weighs absolutely nothing, that's almost non-existent, is making an impact on the disciples that Jesus is teaching, and is making an impact on us today. And here's the thing: is Jesus is talking about the woman's heart. Giving makes a difference in her, in her. She is giving out of what she has to live off of. And that's what more is more important. Jesus' teaching is saying this is her character, and her character is what honors God. As Jesus is teaching about money, it begins to raise some questions for us, doesn't it? Why do we give? Why do we give? What's the, the purpose behind it? There were those that were there, and still some of us today, that we give to lift ourselves up. We want to feel good, and it does feel good to give. It's about getting noticed. It's about, you know, you know our, our, ourselves. And the rich and the wealthy, as Jesus said, they were going by, and they were dropping their large amounts in and remember all the money at that time was all in coins and they were putting it in a in a collection thing and so the bigger your coins the heavier coins the more of your coins there was the more noise it made it was like ringing a bell you know everybody noticed i walked by cha-ching 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 you know and so they were giving to lift themselves up to feel good about who they were or maybe the reason we give is just because it's a nice thing to do. Got a little disposable income. It's not going to change my life. You know, like rounding up at the cash register. It's certainly not going to change what I eat tonight. 
or what clothes I buy or, or if I can afford my car or my house. So I'll round it up because it's a nice thing to do, to do. But for this woman who becomes the model of faith, who becomes a, a model that Jesus wants to use, for this woman, it's about honoring God. It's a reflection of her character. It becomes a reflection of who she is and what she's about. When we give to honor God, it trains us. It trains our hearts for love and generosity. It's an exercise that trains us for love and generosity. And let's face it, you know, let's look at this real closely for your folks. We were created to be generous. That's how God made us. We were designed and created. It's in our DNA to be generous. We were made in God's image. Wouldn't you call God a generous God? Wouldn't you say that God is excessively generous? The forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that we've been shown, God is generous, and we have been designed for generosity. We have been designed for giving. We have been designed for that. We are in God's image, and God's image is a generous image. And so it raises the question, when it comes to giving, does our lifestyle inform our giving, or does our giving inform our lifestyle? Does our lifestyle inform our giving? My lifestyle says I've got enough, I can do this. Or does my giving inform my lifestyle? I will give and live off what God has blessed me with to hold on to. What comes first? Because you can't have both. You can't have both. As the scripture says, it's impossible to serve God and wealth. There's this book out called The Paradox of Generosity. The Paradox of Generosity. It's a sociology book. It's done by these socio-scientific people that do this research and investigation and stuff, and they found evidence that generosity leads to happier, healthier, more fulfilled life, more prosperous life, more purposeful life. Generosity actually makes us better people. It forms our character. And so they were looking at the practices of generosity, and these are the practices of generosity that they studied. Financial giving, money giving, putting dollars in, into giving, volunteering and serving, being generous with, with serving with your abilities, relational generosity, having time for others, particularly those that are invested in your life, and what they called neighbor generosity, which was the equivalent of being hospitable, hospitality, and, and helpful. And they found out that uh, when you practice these, and it's not like you pick one and practice one, but you practice these together because it's a lifestyle of generosity. It's not like, hey, I've got no time, so here, let me write you a check. Or it's like, I've got no money, so I'm just going to, uh, to be helpful to people and just be as helpful as I can. No, it's about all of those together, that generosity, that character of generosity, and it produces these five outcomes in people's lives. Greater personal happiness... Physical health, yes, you get healthier. A sense of purpose. Avoidance of depression. 
and personal growth. That sounds like all of the things that every commercial on television is about, right? You know? Everybody's trying to sell us a better life, and really, if you follow the scriptures, all you have to do is give. You know, because here's the thing. We will spend big money, won't we? Big money on self-help stuff, right? And self-help books and self-help groups and self-help, 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 help myself, right? We'll spend big money on that. We'll spend big money on diets and medications and doctors to find health, right? We'll spend big money on exercise and exercise equipment and exercise clothes and getting those big, nice equipment in our homes that are wonderful for hanging your laundry up and drying, you know, because you know how much they get used. We will spend big money on that. But what we were created for is spending the big money on just being generous. Generosity begins to reflect our love. Generosity becomes a, a reflection of love, and it makes us better. It makes us healthier. It makes us more whole. It makes us co more complete because we were created in the image of God. And God is generous, excessively generous. Hebrews 13.5 says it like this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. And when we're generous, sometimes we can become even more aware of what we have. Because generosity also helps us with our relationships and how we relate to one another. I know that for me, for me, the, the practice of giving, particularly giving to the church and giving to the other organizations that I give to, it keeps me from having an improper relationship with money. It keeps me from having an improper relationship with money. And it puts my focus more on the human relationships that are important to me. So this was made very clear to me in an encounter that I had, oh, this is a couple of decades ago, it was a while back. And it was an encounter with w my computer guy. Now my computer guy, this is back in the day when the computers were a major investment. And when the computers broke, you, uh, you didn't just go buy another one. You know, you actually had them fixed and you had them repaired. So we are talking like a long time ago. And of course, my computer guy was the guy who was younger than me. Because if you want technology fixed, you got to go to somebody who's young, right? And so, so this was my computer guy and I had given my computer. It had been in a shop and it had been in a shop for a while. And I was starting to get a little frustrated that my computer hadn't been fixed and gotten back to me. And every time he promised it, it wasn't ready. And so finally he promised it this one day, and I went into his shop. I went into his store, and I was going to pick up my thing, and he wasn't done. He still had it open on his table, and he was working on it while I was there. And so he says, I'll have it done today. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to stay here, and we're going to chat while you finish my computer, because I'm going home with it. Because I was disappointed that I had waited so long for it. But while I am there chatting with him, and he's telling me his life story, his phone keeps going. And I can hear him doing consultation with other people because he is a business tech consultant. He's also doing consulting to help people run the technology in their business with these computers. And so he's slowing up his work with, with one mine, and I was getting more frustrated. And, so, and then people would come into the store, and he didn't have any other employees, so he was addressing people in the store at the same time he's talking to me. And I said, boy, you've got a lot going on here. 
He says, yeah, I'm running at least three jobs. I'm going to make enough money that I can retire by the time I'm 45. That's my goal. I want to retire by the time I'm 45. And so that was what he was working at and what he was focused on. He's going to retire by the time he's 45, so he's running a tech consultation business. He's fixing computers as a repair person, and he's running the front of a store, and he's obviously just running his stuff ragged. And then a little boy walks in, five, six, seven years old, and it's his son. And his son came in and said, Mom said to tell you this. We've been waiting in the car for an hour, and we're still here waiting for you, and it's time to go. Mom sent the little boy in to say that to Dad. You see, there was a promised trip, and Mom was in the car with even a younger child in her arms. And there he was, answering the phones, consulting businesses, and fixing my computer and at some point, I just wanted to say, let's just stop this. But I knew when I said, just don't fix my computer, he still had other things that he was going to do before he got in that car. As a customer, in our relationship, I was not happy. And I would not recommend him. His wife was obviously pretty upset. And she was angry, and so there was a brokenness in that relationship. And his children were heartbroken and disappointed because they were not getting their promised trip. All of this from his relationship with money. And so to guide us, to correct us, to help us, God has given us this gift, the practice of generosity the practice of giving. The practice of giving heals us from the potential of this horrible sin that can break down our relationship. We were made for generosity. We were made for giving. It keeps our relationships right. It keeps us right and keeps us healthy. It becomes a reflection of love to give. And the reflection of love that we give is certainly uh, lived out in community. Because God's love is a covenant kind of love. And this covenant kind of love in the community of faith, this is what honors God. We were made for community. The woman who comes and gives her two copper coins, all that she had, all that she had to live on, she was all in to be part of the temple community. She was all in to be part of the temple community. She was connected. She was probably praying for the temple, engaged in the temple, giving to the temple, serving in ways she could serve. You hear what I just did there? I related to our peg. Pray, engage, give, serve. That's, that's all in. Not just sit back and soak, not just notice me, but actually engaging in that life. And here's the thing, folks. We're blessed. We're blessed to here to be part of, of New Horizons. Because New Horizon is a blessed community of faith that is emerging in a way of being the church, continuing to grow and to expand and to emerge. Not just a, a Sunday morning, turn on the technology or come to the place and, and sit and soak, 
but church that's happening every day in many places and in many ways and many different relationships that are engaging. I know that there are probably some of you who remember the days, you know, back way pre-COVID when the room was just packed and everybody came on Sunday morning. In fact, a couple of decades ago, I think, New Horizon had three worship services and Sunday school classes and da, 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 and everything happened on Sunday morning and you got to see what was happening. And now no one person from one perspective can see everything that's happening in the life of New Horizon because God is blessing New Horizon and the mission and the ministry of the community in such a grand way. New Horizon is collaborating with the neighborhood in new ways as you see every time you drive by and there's businesses that are in our parking lot or out front and yesterday we had this wonderful fair that was here in a partnership with uh, community businesses with the partnerships that we have and uh, a great uh, trunk or treat event uh, Friday a week ago um, down at our, our west campus and uh, we're extending our facilities we have that west campus we have this new building two new buildings that we've taken on during the COVID times and folks those buildings are expensive so we're counting on giving right? And every staff person, every staff person, their job description is changing and evolving, and we're all doing different things. And we are very blessed at New Horizon to have the right team of staff, that is for sure, top to bottom all the way through. And as a community of faith, we're in multiple locations that include digital location. There are more means of connection and engaging with each other and communicating with each other. This is what we give ourselves to. This is what we engage in. This is what we get to be a part of. We're invited to participate in God's generosity at this time in this community through this church, this community of faith. This is what we give to. And the giving reflects our love, reflects our connection, reflects our covenant, reflects our generosity, and it honors God. It honors God. And it changes the world. One piece at a time. Changes the world like this. Remember I talked about that book, The Paradox of Generosity? The, the study of the giving habits, um, they came to this conclusion. If American Christians could somehow find a way to move, to participate, to the, I'm sorry, if the American Christians could somehow find a way to move to practices of reasonable, generous giving, reasonable, generous giving, they could generate over and above what they currently give a total of another $134.4 billion a year. That's just Christians in America, and yes, I said billion with a B. $134 billion a year. You know what that does. That funds every mission. Feeds the nation and the world. Cares for refugees. Cares for over 20 million needy, hungry, and sick children worldwide. And we get to be a part of that in the giving that God has called us to. We get to be a part of what God is doing right here and right now. And when we 
get to be a part of that and we do it, it actually makes us healthier and happier and forms our relationships correctly. When we give with generosity, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Giving becomes a reflection of love and how we love each other and care for one another. It forms us. It gets our relationships right. And we get to be a part of God's work in honoring God and praising God. It becomes a reflection of our love. And so I invite you. I invite you to prayerfully engage in giving this week through the covenant that we're asking for everyone to respond with. Again, it's been snail mailed. It's been electronically mailed. It is on our website. There are ways to connect, but it is a response that we are looking for. And we hope that everyone will respond this week on or before next Sunday. And let our love be reflected in our community. Let it be reflected in our lives. Amen and amen. Lord, we thank you that there was a very real model for Jesus to use in that woman to show us what it is to be all in in the community of faith. Lord, let our love be reflected in all that we are and all that we do and all that we give and all that we share. And may we be formed by your character of love and generosity in our lives. That generosity and love are reflected from us. Amen. Amen. We're going to uh, take an opportunity this day to respond to God's love in our life, God's offering, God's generous gift, and respond by receiving the gift of Holy Communion. This is a gift that is offered to, uh, to everyone, and all are welcome to, uh, to come and to receive and to, uh, to know God's blessing. If you're sharing with us in a digital format, we invite you to get your bread and your cup and to have it there with you as we, uh, as we share together. Let us uh, bow our hearts in prayer. Most gracious God, we, uh, we come before you this day recognizing that the gift that's on the table is the gift of your generosity, a reflection of your love to us, to come to us in Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ came and gave his life that we might have life and have it abundantly, and that we might know this, this love of, and this life that comes. And so, Lord, as we gather around this table, we remember that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And on that last night, he, he lifted up the bread and he gave it to those of us who would follow and he said, take and eat. This is my body that's broken for you. And Lord, we recognize that this is a generous act of love of Jesus Christ towards us to heal us of our brokenness and to bring us into unity. And so Lord, we pray that we take and we eat this bread in remembrance of him. At that same meal, he lifted up the cup and he gave thanks to you. And he gave it to all of us who would follow and his disciples there and to, those, and to us today. And he said, take and drink this in remembrance of me. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, we 
we pray that we would recognize at this table that we are made new, that we are formed more in your image and move closer to that, that gift of perfection that you are molding in us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we share in this bread and this cup that your Holy Spirit would move and that these elements, this bread and this cup, wherever we share together, that they would be for us the body and the blood of Christ and that we might be the body of Christ together, unified and engaged and praying for each other and giving towards each other and lifting each other up, that we might be unified as the body of Christ, unified in mission and ministry and serving in our world. Lord, let your spirit move and, and fill us with this bread and this cup that would be for us the body and the blood that we might be together the body that is redeemed and made whole and made new and formed in your image, your image of generosity and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You'll be receiving communion um, with these uh, little pre-made uh, uh, cups of elements that are consecrated for you. Those who are engaging digitally, take and eat the body of Christ that is given for you and feed on him in your heart and be thankful. Lift up also the cup. And receive this and drink in remembrance of him and be thankful. grateful heart that we receive from you this day. Lord, it is with grateful hearts 
that we pray your spirit would lift us, lift us to engage in your, your word, engage in your love, and engage in our world to be reflections of your love. Lord, uh, we thank you that you sent your one and only son to give himself for us. Lord, may we rise up from this table with gratitude and grace and be reflections of your love in this world. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Let it rise.
songs, let the praise, let the joy, let the generosity of, of the love of God rise among us and may it rise in our communities as we reflect God's love. Go now to serve God and neighbor. Amen and amen. Let the glory. Let the glory of the Lord.